You're listening to The Thrive Podcast with your host, Kathleen Drennan, corporate executive turned creative entrepreneur. Listen in as Kathleen shares all the things about marketing, money, and managing your mindset. She'll provide you with the tools and templates you can use today to help grow your business and move one step closer to creating your best life. Ladies, you got this. Hello, friends. There's a beautiful thunderstorm happening outside right now, which I love. I love me a good storm. But hopefully, it's not going to interfere with any of the things that are happening right now. And I am also incredibly grateful for the fact that it's raining. So anybody who's overseas, seeing all the news and all the headlines around bushfires, you can know that in my little bubble, my little town of 45,000 people, it is currently raining. So that's a good thing. I wanted to jump in today and talk to you about one of my all-time favorite personal development topics. (laughs) The idea of perfectionism. And the whole point behind this podcast is because I was so kind of shook from having listened to my friend Seth Godin on a podcast called the Entree Leadership Podcast. Now, I will tell you the Entree Leadership Podcast is not for everyone. It is a fairly intense business podcast, but you can leave it to me to listen to and I will download and distill any little nuggets that come my way so that you can learn through me. It's a little bit like osmosis, but quite different. So Seth Godin, who is he? He is one of the most prolific writers when it comes to all things marketing. He has written, I think, 14 books. He was heavily involved in the whole dot-com space, and he has so many incredible marketing stories to tell. But his greatest superpower is to be able to distill what is, in many cases, quite a complicated notion, add on a layer of human psychology, and make it so simple for you to comprehend. His latest book, This Is Marketing, is great. It truly is such a good way to kind of introduce yourself to some very important, pivotal, simple marketing terms because he makes it so human. He takes very intense kind of textbook marketing ideas, adds on a layer of humanity to it, and makes you go, oh, well, duh. (laughs) And it's magic. It truly is magic. So if you're looking for a Christmas present for yourself or something to read over the Christmas holidays, Seth Godin's This Is Marketing is definitely absolutely worth it. But on this episode of the Entree Leadership Podcast, he was talking about the idea of perfectionists and perfectionist behavior. And as a totally person in recovery of trying to manage my own perfectionist tendencies, there were a few things that really shook me to my core and a few things that have really rocked my world in the most positive way possible. And I have been attempting to manage my perfectionist tendencies for more than 10 years. So this is not a thing that is like overnight recovery. You can change your behavior every single day. (laughs) But I am going to give you like six super infinitely practical things you can put into action now while you're also digging beneath the surface to understand what the root situation is emotion and thought that you have in terms of trying to manage your own perfectionist actions. Because, my friends, 
your perfectionist tendencies are actually being driven by an entirely different thought. And I know that's going to sound completely loopy, but this whole idea that your thoughts create your emotions or your feelings, your feelings create your actions and your actions create your results, it is your perfectionist inclinations that are actually preventing you from achieving great success. So on this episode of this podcast, Seth Godin talked about this Japanese term called wabi-sabi. And as always happens when you are trying to translate a complicated notion in Japanese into English, its definition becomes quite broad, but you'll understand the intention behind it. The whole point behind wabi-sabi is about actually embracing the idea that something is made by a human. In its opposite sense, right, wabi-sabi is not machine-made. It is the fact that there are human touches, there is a patina of the human that has been before this product, right? A patina of this is human. It makes things deeply personal. It demonstrates its handmadeness, right? The fact that there is a human, a craftsman, a creative person involved in the development, creation, ideation, production of this thing. This idea is so incredibly relevant to all of us floral designers because floral design cannot be done by a machine. It takes humans to make these things happen. Yeah? So really embracing the idea of the human aspect of floral design is so powerful. Instead of necessarily trying to replicate something every single time out or make it look machine-made, make everything look identical, you can actually put more intention into making things look more handcrafted, right? Really bring out this idea of the human touch. In another industry, it would be like if you went to the gallery and you saw the actual brush strokes on the painting, if you go into like a pottery shop or a studio, you'll actually see the fingerprints and the indentations in terms of how this thing is made. We can take that same notion of wabi-sabi and actually apply it to floral design. Because one of the greatest benefits that we have in terms of how we proactively mark and sell our business is the fact that it is 100% driven by a human. So you can actually intentionally put yourself out there, make a very clear connection with your story and your humanity in how you present your business to the world, how you connect with potential customers and how you build up a better roster of clients. It is exactly how you can start to present yourself on Instagram. It is how you start to show up on your website. It is everything that you do in terms of your work. I want you to remember that floral design is driven by humanity. And I want you to merchandise the shit out of the fact that you are a human and that you bring a human aspect to this business. Hands down, the single biggest mistake that floral designers are making in terms of how they market themselves, how they market their business to the world, is that they are hiding behind the flowers. That there is no touch, no aspect, no showcase of the fact that there are humans behind the story. 
and completely shying away from showing up, let alone even talking about the human side of floral design. It is so easy, particularly in this little bubble that we live in of social media, to get so focused on the beautiful flowers and to shy away from showing your face, to get sucked into the idea that you are simply a widget maker, to reinforce the fact that flowers come from a machine, and to focus too much on the idea of the fact that you are a product maker, as opposed to being a full service provider. Remember, as a floral designer, you actually offer a service. Do anything in your power to demonstrate your expertise to showcase the value of the complete service that you offer, and you will automatically be bringing more humanity into your storytelling. And I want you to really think about and embrace this idea of wabi-sabi, right? Handmade, hand-curated, handcrafted, human touch because at the end of the day if you're listening to this with two ears you are a human and that idea of telling your story bringing yourself out and putting yourself at the center of your business is the single most effective way of separating yourself from the competition so if you're sitting there worried about what the girl next door what backyard betty is doing down the street I can pretty much guarantee you, if she's not listening to this podcast, then she's out there trying to replicate everybody else's work, trying to make it look perfect, and trying to make it look like it came from a machine. I want you to take the exact opposite approach. I want you to put yourself out there, talk about your relationship with flowers, and show your magic to your clients. Then it will not matter what Backyard Betty is doing, because your clients are actually going to want to connect with you. Because people do business with people. And if you can show that you are a people, you will build a better relationship with your customers and grow a business faster. We as floral designers have such an incredible connection to floristry. And even on those days when you feel like it's not working, there is true magic that happens in terms of you being able to pick up a few stems and make a thing out of it. We have such an incredible connection with this creative outlet that is truly magical to our customers and clients. There are so many people out there who are so afraid and so tentative of even picking up a stem of flower for the fact that they think that they're going to break it. But you know better than that. You know how rough you can be with some of your stems. You know how aggressive you can be in terms of how these things come together. I want you to remember that from your client's perspective, it is truly magical. Our connection to the magic of floristry is such an incredible story to tell. And I want you to find a way that is easy for you to bring that story to life. Because it is how you are going to separate yourself from the competition. It is how you build your relationships with your customers. It is how you go about building a highly profitable six-figure floral design business. Here's the thing. The perfectionist voice inside of my head will immediately jump to the thought of, this is not good enough. That thought is actually going to prevent me from doing anything. Here's the thing about perfectionism. It is driven 100% 
by the thoughts that run around in that brain of yours. That thought that says, I am not good enough, or this is not good enough, ultimately leads you to actively beating yourself up, reminding yourself that you're not good enough, and preventing you from taking any action. That perfectionist tendency is being driven by the thought that they are going to ridicule or they are going to judge me. So you keep everything tucked away, hidden behind closed doors, and you don't take any action. That thought of, oh my gosh, what if there's a typo on my website? Oh my gosh, what if there is a flower out of place on my Instagram photo? Means that you are not going to show up on Instagram and you are not going to hit live on your website, which means that you are not going to be building your business because nobody's going to even know that you exist. <laughs> if you resonate with any of these thoughts, I am with you, and I want you to know that it is 100% okay. All of these negative thoughts simply mean that you are human, which is magical. Being human is freaking outrageous. It's one of my all-time favorite things. Of course, I don't know any different, so that's a bit of a weird thing to say, but I love the idea that we can actually sit here and think about what we're thinking about. And the whole idea of starting to work away and chip away at these perfectionist tendencies can be addressed purely 100% by the thoughts that float around in your brain. One of the exercises that really helped me address and head on think about my perfectionist tendencies was the idea of trying to actually articulate, like literally write down pen and paper, write down what I thought perfection looked like. I am going to burst your bubble here because there is no way that you can actually physically articulate your version of perfection. And the news of the day is that perfection doesn't actually exist because there will always be a better way. There will always be a way to improve something. One of my favorite examples, favorite, favorite examples of this is if you think about the iPhone, what version of the iPhone are they on right now? 11. Did they put the first iPhone out and think that it was absolutely perfect? Nope. They knew because it was created by humans. <laughs> They knew that there was always going to be a way to improve it. I love this idea. This idea that it is not, oh, I'm just going to put it out in the world and never think about it again, and then, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Instead, you're going to put it out in the world, you're going to learn from your own experience, and then you're going to improve upon it. Here is a very confronting thought, and this was the thing that made me stop in my tracks in terms of listening to Seth Godin on this podcast. Are you listening? Seth Godin said, I don't think perfectionists are concerned at all with being perfect. I think perfectionists are concerned with being blamed, so they do everything they can to not put their work out there. Do you hear what I'm saying? Your perfectionist tendencies and your default to thinking, I'm going to wait until it's perfect, is the single thing standing in your way from you even putting your work out there. And if you can, 
If you're up for it and sorting through your thoughts and your feelings around your relationship with your own perfectionism, it will change the game for you because it is truly a barrier that is just in your head. And trust me when I tell you that managing and thinking about your perfectionism is actually going to bring up your deepest insecurities. So it may not be something that you want to tackle right now, which is fine because you do you. However, if you're up for it, if you're up for really sitting down and understanding what is the thought that is driving your perfectionist behavior, you are going to crack the code on conquering the world of business and flowers. Thinking about and understanding what is preventing you from taking action is fucking outrageous. Because you are going to be pointed into a direction and questioning, why am I thinking what I'm thinking so often? But it has been some of the best work that I have done this year in terms of really understanding why do I think I need to do something? Why do I think I'm going to wait to put that out there before it's perfect? And truly embracing the idea of going, done is better than perfect. I am going to put it out there. I am going to put out there iPhone iteration number one, knowing I can continue to come back and revisit iPhone iteration number two, and then I can revisit again. Oh, look, we're on iPhone four. And again, and again, and again. There are so many of you out there who have not pressed live on your website simply because you're waiting for it to be perfect. What if you flipped that thought on its head and you went, okay, I'm going to put out iPhone iteration number one. Or if you're in the middle of revamping your website, it's going to be iteration number four, knowing it's going to be a constant work in progress. Because here's a revolutionary thought. You can put a website up and live with typos in it and then go back and fix those typos later. You don't need to use that as an excuse to prevent you from taking action. So you can absolutely, and I encourage you to sit down and think about what is driving, what is underneath the surface, what are you thinking, what are you feeling in terms of trying to achieve this false economy of perfection. What is it underneath the surface? And yeah, it's going to be a bunch of negative thoughts, and yeah, it's going to be a whole bunch of emotions that you don't want to feel. But if you can get to the root, the cause of what is stimulating your ambition for perfection, it will open your eyes to so many ideas. And it doesn't need to be a big thing. I'm telling you, set the timer for 30 minutes and go, why am I chasing after perfection? What is it? And do a big fat brain dump. Do a download of all of your thoughts with physical pen and paper and see what comes out. Because, my friend, this world of perfection does not exist. It doesn't. So stop trying to chase it. In the meantime, while you're sitting down and thinking about your thoughts, thinking about how you feel about perfection and what is driving that behavior, I want you to pass along six very practical tips that you can implement now so that you can get through this season of Christmas, wreath-making, wedding season, workshops, whatever's in front of you, and you can continue to move your business forward. Tip number one intentional 
practice. So often, you are going to feel like if you're making a wreath, if you're doing a pop-up for Valentine's Day, if you're making a wedding bouquet, if you're trying to do an installation, you are thinking, oh, I'll just figure it out when I get the booking and have to do the work for the clients and blah, 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 blah. What if you actually sat down today, sat half an hour aside, and started to sort through exactly how many stems go into your bridal bouquet? How many bundles of foliage do I need for that ceiling installation? What do I want my Christmas wreaths to look like? What do I want to sell at my Valentine's Day pop-up? Sit down and do that thinking now so that you're not having to think through it all when the pressure is on and you're doing the work for your client. I have put a link to my intentional practice worksheet in the show notes, so if you don't yet have it, you can grab it. The idea behind intentional practice is that you set an intention and then you are going to practice with that intention in mind. Your intention could be, what do I want my Christmas wreath to look like? It could be, how long does this product last? It could be, what does this look like if it's hanging from the ceiling? It could be, how many stems do I put in my bridal bouquet? You are going to have a single intention and you're going to practice to that intention. And then you're going to reflect on your practice by outlining three things that you liked and three things that you would improve for next time. Could you imagine, come with me on an imaginary journey, if you had a wedding coming up in a couple of weeks and you knew you were gonna be using products that was new to you. If you sat down now for half an hour, bought that product and did an intentional practice, could you imagine how much easier it would be when it came to actually doing that event work? You would know exactly how many stems of what to order next time around. You are giving yourself such a leg up in terms of making this process so much easier and therefore so much more fun. It is what is going to set you up for a long-term business that you actually enjoy working in. So. Tip number one in terms of managing your perfectionist tendencies is making time for intentional practice now. Because I remember vividly what it was like being up incredibly late trying to make a bouquet look like somebody else's photo and going, it's never going to be as good and beating myself up over the whole thing. So please, I would do what you can to avoid that behavior because it's pretty unhelpful. <laughs> Tip number two, very much related to this, manage your client's expectations to keep your ingredients open as much as possible. Now, this might not seem directly related or relevant to the world of perfectionists, but it is because we now go to the market knowing, okay, we have to stick to a specific color palette, and a specific aesthetic, but the rest of it is completely up to us. So if peonies are not available, if the toffee roses have not made it in from Ecuador, or wherever they're coming in from this time of year, then that is absolutely okay. I can make the call when I'm at the market to do a swap, understanding the intention behind what that ingredient is going to be within the design. I don't need to worry about having to communicate that to my client. Anything you can do to make your job easier 
to keep your options open is going to allow you to tap into your creativity and create an end product that you love so much more. So your tendency of not wanting to start, not wanting to make a thing, can actually be flipped on its head entirely if you go to the market, get completely inspired by what you see, and then you make a thing and you deliver it to your client and they're like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. So tip number two is keep your options as open as possible. Tip number three, your ingredients are 80% of your design. This was taught to me by one of my favorite teachers, Jardine, who I've taken like every workshop that she's ever put on. <laughs> but I have really embraced this concept of the last two months. Put as much time and energy into planning your ingredients as you do making the things and you will be so much happier with what comes out the other side. If you choose beautiful ingredients, you are going to make a beautiful thing. If you choose ingredients that are fugly, you're never going to be happy with the output. So choose ingredients that are beautiful to begin with. Channel your inner beauty and make a thing that's stunning. Tip number four, put time and energy into actively studying other people's work. Do you know how when you go to one of the big wig galleries, you'll oftentimes see an artist sitting there with a sketch pad or watercolors, and they're actually looking and dissecting and trying to replicate one of the master's pieces of art. You, my friend, can do exactly the same thing sitting on your lounge. So you don't even need to leave the house, you don't even need to wash your hair. It's a magical thing because you can go to Pinterest and you can go to Instagram. You can find somebody's work that makes you literally stop in your tracks. And then I want you to grab your journal. I want you to set the timer for 30 minutes. And I want you to actively sit down and digest and dissect what they've done. What ingredients have they used? How many stems of each? What mechanics do you think that they have actually used in this particular design? What is it about this design that made you stop in your tracks? There is so much value and so much to benefit from studying other people's work. It will have a direct reflection on your designs. The more time you sit down and you dissect other people's work and literally write out for yourself what you think their list of ingredients is, what you think their recipes are, then at your next intentional practice session, you can literally go buy those ingredients and begin to play with those ingredients yourself. And because you are human, you are going to put your own spin on it. You are going to appreciate and understand how to work with those ingredients and how you want to show your version of that to the world. It is literally like you sitting down with Monet's water lilies and going, okay, I am going to do a version of this through charcoal sketch. I am going to do a version of this through watercolor. You can do exactly the same thing by looking at other floral designers' work, identify the ingredients that they used and the stem count, and you are more than 80% of the way there.
because you are also then going to put your own spin on it and then you can put it out into the world and it's such an incredible adventure. Tip number five, truly embracing the idea of wabi-sabi and understanding that mother nature is not perfect. We have really started to embrace the idea and are intentionally looking for stems and product that are irregular. One of the challenges that you might find with commercially grown product is that everything is stick straight, which is great in a lot of applications. But if you're looking to create something that has a bit more movement and a bit more interest to it, you will actually want to find that bucket with those three stems that have totally crooked necks on them. Because it is that imperfection that's going to make your look, that's going to make your work look different to the next person's. So really understanding how well this idea of wabi-sabi and mother nature when she's left in her natural environment really work together. It is like a match made in heaven. So if you actually start to go out and look for the product and the ingredients that are crooked, that are jagged, that do have a totally weird shape, it will add a level of visual interest to your work that you will love. And then tip number six, which is directly from Seth Godin, is the notion that what you're trying to do is create something that is better than good enough. The idea that everything is constantly a work in progress. This is so particularly true when it comes to all the business side and all of the marketing side of floral design. If you separate out the actual mechanics of making the things, the rest of it all comes back to marketing a business. And I want you to remember that you can go out there and you can put your website out there, you can show up on Instagram, the way that you wrap your bouquets, the way that you approach your branding, your visual identity, your logo, your typeface, and you put a stake in the ground, and then you can literally go in that afternoon, the next Tuesday afternoon, or a month from now, and change it. But I want you to simply put a stake in the ground, something that you feel is better than good enough, and I want you to know and appreciate and realize that then you can go in and change it anytime you like. I am a huge fan of posting websites with typos in them, and I know that might make you want to barf. But if you hit live, if you hit publish on your website, it is then going to get you in the behavior, really starting to understand and create the habit of being able to go in and change things at any time. So then if you intentionally put a typo on the page on the website and hit publish, that you can go in 10 minutes later and fix the typo. Nothing needs to be set in stone. All you need to do is the first iteration out there, make sure that it's better than good enough, and know that you can go out and change it every single time around. There was a period in time in the shop where we had like four different colors of wrapping paper and 27 different colors of ribbon, and over time we eventually distilled it down, right? Everything was wrapped in white. Everything had a pink, a green, or a white ribbon on it, right? 
really bringing that focus in. But we wouldn't necessarily have gotten to that stage if we hadn't explored all these other different options. So put a stake in the ground, just start, make it better than good enough, and know that you can continually evolve and change it over time. This also applies, and I will go on a little bit of a diatribe because it's a pet peeve of mine. If you are preventing yourself and talking yourself out of starting your business because you don't think your logo is perfect, I have news for you. Your customers don't give a shit about your logo. I know it's a confronting thought, but here's an idea. Pick a logo that you like right now. Publish it on your website. Put it on your Instagram profile. And then in six months' time, you can revisit it. Easy as that, because everything can be fluid. Everything can be a perpetual work in progress. So I will challenge you this week. Take one of these notions, either intentional practice, managing your client expectations so that they are as open and broad as possible. Understand the idea that the end design is 80% driven by your ingredient selection. Tip number four, make time to actively sit down and study other people's work. And I do not mean scroll through Instagram mindlessly. I mean, take a picture, grab a pen and paper and dissect it. If you needed to replicate it, if I was giving you a final exam and say, hey, what are the ingredients that are in this? You can actually sit down and do that for yourself. Tip number five is truly embracing the wabi-sabi nature of mother nature and going out and actively searching for the imperfect ingredients. And tip number six, remember that everything is a perpetual work in progress and I want you to start by putting work out there that is simply better than good enough, knowing next time around you can constantly change and evolve it. And when it comes to thinking about your work, how you're going to market and promote yourself, the way you're going to pitch your business to the world, I want you to think about how you can embrace the humanity. How can you show up on Instagram? How can you tell your story? And I want you to talk about the magic that is behind the production of these beautiful designs. If this is a topic that interests you. If you want one-on-one -on -one coaching on this topic, if you want me to help you sort through your thoughts in terms of your perfectionist tendencies, it is absolutely something that we are going into in my one-on-one -on -one business coaching. My one-on-one -on -one business coaching is all hosted online. So the beautiful thing is I can be here in Australia you can be over in Asia, you can be in Russia, you can be in Spain, you can be in America, you can be in Canada, you can be wherever it is that you are. And we can get together once a week and talk through and sort through all things business and flowers. My one-on-one -on -one business coaching program is an eight-week intensive course, and it's all hosted online. I create the program based on your needs, based on your biggest challenges so that you can go out there, start on your path to world domination and build your own highly profitable floral design business. I have added the link into the show notes so you can go in. You also need to be aware of the fact that this is an application only program. This program is a significant investment of your time and your money and it is also a significant investment for me. So I am not accepting everyone out there. 
in actual fact, this month I am only taking on three clients. That's how specialist this program is. But if it sounds like something that could really help you, check out the link in the show notes. You'll be taken to the page with all the information on it. Then you will be taken to the application page. And I will let you know if your application has been successful or not. No matter what else is happening, I want you to remember that managing your perfectionist tendencies is a process and that it is all being driven by the thoughts and the narrative that you're telling yourself. There is going to be a very deep-rooted reason you are chasing after perfection. If you can find that reason, if you're up for doing the work and peeling away the layers on the onion, it will revolutionize your world. Because I want to tell you today that perfection is not a thing that actually exists. That may break your heart, but if you've gotten this far in this episode, I think you're open to hearing it. And my friend, I hope you're sitting down and thinking about and planning really fucking big dreams for 2020. And if you want any help to get there, jump on in, fill in the application for my one-on-one business coaching program, and I will meet you on the interwebs. Have a beautiful day, kids. And as always, I'll talk to you all later.